Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Work in Progress podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alan, and I've got Min here. Hey. Hey. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different uh, given recent events in the United States. We are going to be talking about the ethics of software, so stay tuned. Yeah, so, you know, given the recent uh, events happening in the United States uh, around the election and the fun, exciting, maybe not fun, the exciting, concerning <laughs> <laughs> activities happening, um, especially with, you know, social media and other platforms putting their foot into the political arena. Uh, yeah. it, it felt like it was pertinent that Min and I use our platform to sort of explore how we as engineers and maybe even as people should should consider the events happening. Yeah. Uh it's a it's a really, really tough sort of arena to kind of wade through and, and talk about, you know? And uh, just to kind of set the set the tone a little bit, we're not going to be talking about specifically any sort of political affiliations or uh, political directions, but rather the role that technology plays, uh, broadly speaking. I think if you've listened to uh, our episodes before, you probably have an idea of which direction we lean, but we're going to try our, our best not to make any of that uh, bear any weight in this conversation. Overall, I think the, the question of how technology fits into our lives, it's becoming more and more of a pertinent one. And, and unfortunately, we see it in a lot of these arenas like politics, like, uh, you know, our, our sort of these other arenas that we're not necessarily used to kind of equating. Uh, I think long gone are the days where we can sort of just view technology as this little thing in the corner that betters our lives and, you know, doesn't really complicate situations. Um, just in this pandemic alone, many, many people have been thrust into this world uh, of webcams and video chats and privacy. Uh, and it it can be really, really hard to navigate. We as engineers, the ones actually building a lot of this, bear some responsibility to at least think about it. And, you know, I'll, I'll go a step further to say we bear some responsibility to consider the work that we do, what kind of impact that has. Yeah, I mean, like you said, technology is pretty ubiquitous these days. It's everywhere around us. And, you know, we it's it's we've talked about it as if it's like some futuristic thing. No, it's here now. Right. Um, we see technology replacing the means of intaking news. You have local newspapers, uh, local journalists losing jobs to to organizations that have access to technology who can push uh whatever they want right yeah and yeah you know i've i've not worked for <laughs> news org so i don't know how much 
I guess how much how much technology affects the journalistic integrity of these things. But as as an engineer, one one of the things that I remember from college as part of our, our engineering ethics class was, you know, if we don't take a stand, then it could result in catastrophic failure for whatever it is that you might be working on. You know, the the example that they had used uh, during that class was um, an engineer working on, I think it was the Challenger uh, space shuttle, right? And right. Th- there was some right. sort of des- design decision in there that they just decided not to push. Yeah. And that resulted in systematic failure of the the shuttle's integrity. Yeah. Um, and with recent events, we're, we're seeing the the output of software, these these uh, websites, these app, apps pushing news and uh, opening spaces for conversations to happen, regardless of which side of the political spectrum you're on, yeah. um, play a massive role in what's unfolding, right? Yeah. And I think that that's I, I think that that's sort of the first major hurdle to get over. And it's this idea that whether or not your intentions were pure or or not is is completely irrelevant, right? The process by which you bring something new into this world, it means that you're going to open up new capabilities for it. And whether or not those capabilities result in positive outcomes or negative outcomes, you know, you had a part to play in there. And you you had a part, therefore you are sort of thrust into there and you have a say in that, right? I'm, I'm not saying you have responsibility. I'm actually very much so avoiding that word there. But I am, uh, because like, I think like, honestly, if, if you wanted to, I think that it's debatable, right? How much responsibility you necessarily have for, for all of that. I think that that's a, an a point that really smart scholars could probably debate to the end uh, to the ends of the earth about but i sort of want to stick to sort of the factual piece of it right if you brought it into this world then you had a piece to play in it i I don't think that that's debatable i I don't think that that's uh something that's you know um uh controversial (laughs) your name's on the git blame (laughs) yeah your name's on the git blame like that's there, there, there's no there's no two ways around that right it's this this one's this one's a hard one um in in that like you said you could build it with the greatest of intentions but whether you stay at the company or not whether you have any amount of influence in the direction of the company that you're working at or not um you may not be able to alter the course of the thing you're building, right? Like look at literally every most, most social media platforms, they were initially built to connect people. And now yeah. they're now, now those platforms are being weaponized <laughs> to push, uh, to push, I don't know, misinformation. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to take it uh, one step, you know, if you wanted to to take it one step away from technology, uh, the person or, or 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 civilization that invented paper probably didn't ever think that paper could be used to 
organize, you know, insurrections or, or whatever, right? <laughs> organize anything. Uh, they thought this was probably a really cool invention. And look, I can write stuff down. That's awesome. Then somebody decided they were going to take that and use that capability for something else unintended, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of the ethics behind any kind of science. The Once you've learned something, once you've just made a discovery, where that leads and what new problems that surfaces is is sort of it, it can't be known right mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. just because it can't be known doesn't mean that it's not worth talking about it's not worth considering and it's not worth trying to find those answers when those problems get here yeah and you know i'm certainly guilty of not thinking about these things um, <laughs> every single job i've been at i've never I'm, i've never wondered how can what i'm be how can what i'm build building be abused yeah and you know like i i worked at a company that gamified uh uh activities to help build better health habits but when when I ask myself how can this be abused, it's within the context of you know how can they abuse this system to to get personal gain, like get more money out of it. Not how can this be I'm trying to find the word weaponized. Yeah, weaponized might be the better word here. Yeah. Um, and no company I've worked at I've I've ever heard or asked myself how can this platform how can this tool how can these uh algorithms that i'm building be weaponized and i i think yeah. that's something that you know we as engineers need to start including in our discourse yeah and that's that's you know it's really really challenging because for all the the mentally draining and taxing work it is to sort of solve these really abstract problems. Now you're going to be throwing in a whole layer of ethics and societal impact to consider. Like that's that's incredibly overwhelming, right? That's mm-hmm. not an easy burden to just take on. So I guess like another um, one of my points with this would just be to like to realize that this is all a challenge for all of us in this field and honestly, many other fields that are already used to dealing with this. It's it's nothing new. It's sort of just, we're sort of shining a light onto it. And it might be one of those things that's easy to overlook, right? I think personally, I've told myself many times in my own career, look, no one is going to die over the software I write. No one, no lives are at stake. No, nothing really material is is at risk here. But as you get farther and farther along in your career and the decisions you make compound over time, yeah, you know, it it actually sort of does get around to something that might affect somebody's livelihood. Um, As an example, I've worked on a few payment systems, right? Uh, Not having the proper level of security around something like that. Like we had to actually handle and reverse a couple of really you know, scary transactions that happened. <laughs> that's that that was that's real, right? That's real. Yeah. And uh, having to sort of be responsible in that situation, 
uh, it certainly presented new challenges, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And consider too when you're you're you know building out your application or what have you. What sort of data are you storing? Right. Because <laughs> it, it might seem meaningless right now, but like think about how there's an entire business in selling personal data, right? Yeah. Just just your first name, last name, phone number, address, whatever. It it all gets sold, passed around. Like mm-hmm. can the data that you're using to power your seemingly non impactful social impact app be at some point used to make a profit on right (laughs) and this is the crazy like honestly i i think like sell your data that's such a uh um that's such a sort of a uh sensationalized phrasing of that right because sell your data it sounds so so scary um from a and, and, and like, I, I thought about it plenty of times throughout my own career, just the idea that like, okay, if I wanted to, if I wanted to serve you better, like serve you as a customer better, I'm going to take notice of things that you do and how you behave, right? Um, even in our own interactions day to day, when I think about coworkers and, uh, and how I want to how I want to, you know, continue to, to be a better employee. I think about the very same things, right? I'm thinking about interactions with people and their preferences and their personalities. And I'm thinking, okay, how could I work with this person better? Right. I'm doing the very similar things. I'm noticing certain patterns around people and behaviors, and then I'm changing my own behavior so that I can be more productive with them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the same idea. Like at the end of the day, if you if you want to sort of take a lot of the um, pessimism out of it, that's really what soft. That's really the world that software is in, right? How can they notice things about you as a user to better provide that service, right? And I know mm-hmm. I know I'm ignoring a lot of like uh, of potential um, misdeeds there, or or, or like. Uh, got a lowbrow uses of that sort of data but the intention behind it right the intention behind that like if we notice things about the user we can provide a better user experience that's more catered to them that didn't that didn't start out negative right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know we're we're already in this entangled we're already entangled in this web of (laughs) you know certain vendors having access to a lot of things yeah. i'm i'm not going to name drop but i'm sure people can come up with a, a few offhand yeah, yeah. <laughs> right um but like how how do we start holding those companies more accountable because yeah. right now they're they control the industry like you anywhere you go to Who's going to host your app? Who's going to to store your data? Who's going to host your database? Right, like yeah, whomever it is, whether whether you know, like it's intentional or not, they they have access to that data. Yeah, 
I think like this, oh my, I, I like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna discover the answer in this conversation. We're not nope. gonna discover the answer. Like we have really, really smart people all across the world who are tackling this very idea. And like this conversation, we're barely gonna be able to scratch the surface of all of that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that like, um, I, I, I uh, just a few I don't know, I guess months ago at this point, I watched uh, The Social Dilemma on Netflix and I just loved it, right? I loved it because it presented this exact problem in a really, really scary lens. Um, and, you know, I, I think like the only thing that I could leave it at was that we have to be willing to have this conversation as uncomfortable as it is. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that that's really the only... Uh, actionable thing that we ourselves can actually take we have to be willing to talk about this is is boycott an option <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah or or, I, or or rather is the question who am i comfortable giving my data to <laughs> yeah yeah and you know like i I've, I've had a lot of very different uh perspectives on this um as i've gotten older as i've you know just grown up in in the adult world like i just when I was a lot younger, I didn't care. To be honest, I didn't care. Like you, you can have all the data you want about me. Like there's, I have nothing of value. I'm a nerd. I played a lot of world of Warcraft and I spent a lot of time on the internet reading like fan wikis about the Lord of the Rings, right? Like (laughs) you're not going to get anything useful out of me. I'm sorry, but you're more than welcome to have it. Like it's, it's pretty Mm -hmm. worthless. Right. Right. And I think like over time, I've sort of come around to the idea that like, well, even if I feel like my data is useless, like I can understand how it's a little scary, right? Uh, You might be having a conversation, you might uh, be, you know, in in the privacy of your own home, and then suddenly you're seeing an ad kind of reminiscent of that very same thing that you were talking about maybe an hour (laughs) ago, two hours ago, right? That's a little scary. That is very scary. Happens all the time. (laughs) There's a there's that really famous uh there's that really famous uh uh case where uh there was this girl in I I forget exactly what town what city but uh based on her own search history um I believe a a big um sort of retailer company supermarket retailer or whatever they they were able to send they were able to detect based on her search history that she was pregnant and they sent like you know new mom advertisements and everything to her home and her father got those advertisements and were like what is going on here and then she was like no i'm not pregnant or anything like that and it came out like weeks later that she actually was she actually oh, took a pregnancy test and was like oh my god i i am pregnant so it's funny that our advertisers you know through this this ecosystem of data, this marketplace of data was able to like figure that out about her even before she did. Right. Right. I I mean, okay. Okay. Devil's advocate (laughs) here. Devil's advocate here. Yeah. Having advertisements catered to you is, is, is kind of nice, right? Like, Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But it's creepy. (laughs) Yeah. I think that I, I, you know, continuing on that thread, Continue on that thread. I think there is uh, a big, big concern about like what does our data necessarily mean and like our security and privacy around that. But I have to admit, 
having the world sort of catered to our needs, our preferences and all of that, like it is actually kind of nice, right? It is mm-hmm. actually kind of nice. I like being able to go onto Amazon and seeing, hey, there's these five books that you might be interested in because you read X, Y, and Z or you bought X, Y, and Z. Maybe you didn't finish it, but... <laughs> we also overheard you talking about it to your, your friends and spouse. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's some I, actual good there, right? So there's there's a huge, huge aspect to, to human behavior where we're going to choose what's most convenient without, yeah. you know, less less hassle. And if, it, if something's presented to us up front that saves us, like, 10 minutes... Yeah, we're geared towards just going with it, right? Like, yeah, you look at you look at, you know, on Amazon when you're, you're you know, searching for something, you see the little best choice thing. You're mm-hmm. like, yeah, OK, I'll just do that one. So I don't have to go read all the other reviews, regardless yeah. of what that best choice actually means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> YouTube. But, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Like it's. It's it's both incredibly convenient and useful, but you know it's it should be opt in. Like honestly, the th- this stuff should be opt in. Like you should have to ask for my permission first. And I mean, for the most part, too, I think most companies do put it in in their terms and agreements. <laughs> but who reads those, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like that's the. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of the crazy uh, part about it, right? And and I had mentioned like YouTube uh, being another one of those kind of engines of of recommendations. I think they probably have the most sophisticated, dialed in kind of recommendation system on the planet, right? Uh, like I I like it's so easy for me to just fall into a YouTube rabbit hole these days. Um, and and that's that's kind of the convenience of it right i never have to really think about what do i want to see they give me exactly what i want to see i was gonna say just just step right there i don't ever have to think yeah right right. there we're we're slowly and systematically being programmed to have algorithms think for us which is incredibly scary yeah I think uh I think it's awesome. Uh the like like awe in awesome, you know, in that like the scale and magnitude to which that that has kind of taken hold is yeah, it's a little crazy. Um you've got to admit like from an engineering perspective to to get these these algorithms and the I mean, the machine learning built in there, just building all this stuff yeah. and having it work at this scale and being super effective at it. It's it's yeah. a, f- a feat of engineering, like yeah. hands down. <laughs> totally. But again, it's incredibly freaking creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, the, the um, kind of continuing on this devil's advocate uh, perspective, one thing that maybe people don't really understand is like... I hear a lot of people who are like, well, why would you ever build a system like this? Like, why would you ever, you know, uh, produce something that that is so scary, that is so creepy? The truth is, it's not that anyone set out to build something creepy, build something, you know, intrusive like this. It It actually speaks more about our own human psychology more than anything else. 
that we can actually be boiled down to a handful of preferences, laziness, like that's really what it's saying about us as humans, right? And and to 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 kind of put it in a in a slightly different way, all that the engineers in that amazing system did was built a system that could figure out your your most basest instincts and then just serve that back to you mm-hmm. repeatedly mm-hmm. right so if you find that like a lot of your recommendations are very very narrow that might actually speak more about you as a person than anything else mhm so i mean i i think you're you're pulling on a theme here that maybe it's not technology's fault for it doing what it's doing right like yeah it we we haven't hit a stage in artificial intelligence and machine learning that it can just go do this on its own like the data it's operating on is based off of whatever we're feeding it right yeah like there's there's us (laughs) numerous articles out there that's like oh these these algorithms are are biased in one way or another well that's because the data you fed it was biased to begin with yeah Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the idea that that the technology right now at this moment in time is acting as a mirror. Yeah. As a, a, a mirror to ourselves as humans. And, you know, we we don't often hit moments in history where that happens. Like it, it happens during big events like World War Two. Uh, I don't know way back slavery all that stuff like yeah the the moments where we have to question our humanity like i feel like this is we're we're in the middle of one right now right yeah <laughs> that's that's exactly it and like it, it's so funny because like they they say like technology enslaves the 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 human race it it actually doesn't technology really just furthers the very same things that we're already doing, right? It's a tool. And and I, I, I'm going to get, I know I'm going to get probably some comments and, and critics saying like, no, technology is not just a tool. It is actually actively shaping the direction we're moving. That I, I think that that is true, but the basest instinct came from us, right? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where I'm going with this. I The scariest thing about technology is that it has made everything so much easier to act upon and to amplify, right? So, Like we might have a really bad dream where we did some crazy, crazy things. And several years ago, we wouldn't share that with anybody. You would wake up, forget about it, and then mosey on with the rest of your day and it would just die in the ethers of your your memory, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas now you can wake up and within 30 seconds, you can tweet that out to who knows how many people, right? Elon Musk throws out a tweet and wipes out millions of dollars of, of, <laughs> of valuation, right? And then consequently tweets again and recoups all of that plus some, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's real actual impact now to sharing our most innocuous of thoughts. Right, right. And so so that brings brings us back to this point of how how do we not not just as engineers but as as humans yeah right how how do we control not control how do we fight back 
the urges that technology pushes us towards, right? Like, yeah, like, like you mentioned, technology is being used right now to exploit the our our, our primal instincts, right? Like, yeah, yeah. How I, how do we push back against that? I you know this is um like I I I think for for people who know me like I I've, I've been talking a lot about like self growth and self improvement just broadly speaking if you follow me at all on LinkedIn you probably see a decent amount of that and and I think like the the I'm going to kind of take it to one of those ideas there is always this ever increasing pressure for us this desire to just kind of kind of regress you know and I think that no matter how good or how developed or how, you know, how mentally strong, strong-willed you are, that that sort of desire is always lurking there. That desire to just be a couch potato, to be buck naked on your own couch doing nothing but watching TV and eating eating potato chips or whatever it is that you like, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that feeling, that desire never really goes away. You get better and better. At like being able to say no, that's not going to actually get me where I want to go, but that feeling never really goes away. That feeling to skip the skip the gym, skip a meal, whatever, right? And and I think that that relates to this because those base primal kind of instincts don't ever go away. We just have to get better as people, as a society, to put those where they belong right to put those thoughts those urges where they belong and that like i don't know i don't know if that's actually a problem that can be solved right mindfulness yeah yeah it's like we as a society start we have to suddenly value these sort of mindsets and and frame frames of mind that give us better tools to deal with some of those more destructive, you know, uh, unhealthy, societally damaging impulses. Mm-hmm. It requires a level of self-inflection and recognition of of how we're using technology to replace activities that that generate a certain brain response, a chemical response that, that just having that technology makes it easier, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to give this example here of, of social validation, right? Like we used to get it by going out with friends, hanging out with them and just literally just shooting the shit. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Now, now it's, it's all about chasing those, those likes or those hearts or whatever it is these days on, on Facebook or Instagram, whatever. Guys, be sure to like, and subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We we need, we need that validation. (laughs) But like at the heart of it, technology is making it easier to feed those, those 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 strings yeah and those... and eliciting the the dopamine responses that we used to get through real life yeah 
right? And I and I think like what you're getting at there is that it's boiled it down to something, uh, something really really hollow, right? Like that dopamine release, it used to come with having like suspending time with people, connecting, sharing stories, laughing, right? This really intricate interaction, it now gets boiled and simplified down to just a tiny little heart or a little red dot or a little notification, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's why we feel so so empty about it after some time when you go chasing that, right? Because now you're missing out on that that complicated uh, uh, sort of experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like l- to use another example, like they they uh, they they say, excuse me, <clears throat> shit. They say that food, uh, all of flavor boils down to kind of four ideas, right? Salt, heat, fat, and acid, right? That was and a great docu series, by the way. It is. It is an amazing <laughs> docu. I love that. <laughs> But all of flavor comes down to those things. You cannot serve just salt, fat, heat, and acid on a plate, right? That would be a horrible, horrible meal. And yet, that is supposedly the building blocks of all flavor, right? That's what your likes system has kind of done. That's what shares and, and sort of social media, the role it's, it's, it's done. It's boiled it down to where people don't expect that plate, that beautifully crafted meal, they're they're like give me just just inject the salt fat heat and acid straight into my veins i'll be happy with that <laughs> that's that's fast food <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, so uh, yeah sorry you know as we build new technologies new applications new software we we need to ask ourselves what's what's the price of the convenience that we are bringing to people. And as consumers, we need to ask ourselves, is this convenience worth it? What is it replacing in our lives? And how is it going to impact us? Like, yeah. By the way, this concept, this idea, and this uh, sort of discipline around like, um, man, I I can't believe I'm going to space the... uh, the name of it but this practice it's the next evolution some people say it's the next evolution of user experience design right it's now you're not only thinking about user design and how it can help the user accomplish their goals but now you take it one step further and apply what what kind of experience human design does this actually better or what does it replace you know, mm-hmm. is your app replacing quality, high value human interactions for something empty? And that is absolutely within human, uh, our ability to control and at least to consider. It's, it's kind of funny. We talk a lot about sort of the fears and is technology like taking over our world? At the end of the day, a lot of it comes, <laughs> at least a huge portion of it, it comes back to us, right? Are we letting it? Are we letting it by virtue of replacing, substituting some of the quality of our interactions with something kind of just small and derivative? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a crazy, it's a doozy. And there's, there's no, I don't think there's any right answer right now. Like (laughs) it's, it's only starting to emerge as a huge problem. Right. I don't think anyone considered how big of an impact technology would have had up until now. Yeah. And so the truth is, I think uh, I'm going to relate it back. Like I know we, we sort of danced around this a little bit at the beginning and we've sort of, you know, uh, even before we actually started to record this, like, you know, we, we talked a little bit, like, I don't know if we want to touch on that subject or not, but like, let, let's just address the elephant in the room. Twitter, right? <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, uh, Facebook uh, Google, Amazon, even, do they have a responsibility to remove or block certain types of, of speech on their platforms, right? I'm not going to actually answer that question directly. However, I, I do want to touch on a perspective of it, right? If engineers that built these systems could not have foreseen the ways it would, it would be used, right? Is it realistic to have expected them to have all the safety precautions in place for scenarios they could have never possibly predicted. It's like, well, no, right? Like, how can you be prepared for something that you couldn't ever see coming? Mm-hmm. Or if you saw it coming, did you care enough? <laughs> or yeah, like if you if you saw it coming, did you care? Like I, that, you know, I think that that's a reasonable question to ask. Again, we're 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 dealing with machine learning here. When yeah. when do we hit Skynet? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you if you want to see Skynet, just look in the mirror, right? <laughs> but uh, Black Mirror. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I if there's one thing I want listeners to come away from this this conversation with is how how it's it's not. If there's one thing I want our listeners to come away from this conversation is for them to ask themselves, how am I letting technology control my life? Yeah. And and just, just bringing awareness into what we're feeding ourselves. Yeah. In, in our, our media intake that, that, you know, I'm not just talking software. I'm talking like television. I'm talking books like, what are you feeding yourself? And then yeah. what are you giving back to these, these mediums? Right. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's cyclical. We've, we've already talked about it. You could yeah. be exploring something unrelated and then it shows up in your Amazon uh, <laughs> list, whatever. Yeah. But just be aware. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think knowing, knowing really is sort of, the first step in this right and uh and kind of going back to a point we made earlier being willing to explore that i think is is a necessary next step right you once you're sort of aware of one the attention that you're giving these these things then you can sort of consider all right is is that trade-off worth it right is that trade-off actually beneficial to me right um 
and you're absolutely right it applies to all forms of of this kind of uh attention that you're 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 sort of trading off uh yeah <laughs> Ooh. that yeah that was wow what a doozy there's, yeah there's, i'm i am lost for words um yeah if like like min said earlier uh like subscribe <laughs> <laughs> retweet tweet at us we we need the digital social validation <laughs> um if if you like this episode and want to you know maybe have us explore more more general technologist type of uh topics let us know uh if you want us to just stay in our lane and talk about career development let us know <laughs> um we're oh. we're only as good as the input you guys give oh, us. oh i love it <laughs> Oh, I love it. All right, guys. Uh, That's it. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, we release a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us on Twitter at underscore whip podcast. Come say hello and tell us what's on your mind. With that, we hope you have a great rest of your day, and remember, we're all works in progress.